Well, last Sunday we began a new series called All In. Say All In. Our takeaway last Sunday was this. People who are all in will prove it through their actions. See, it's hard to defend our actions, right? Yeah, it's hard to get people to believe what we say if we don't back it up with what we do. This past Sunday, we talked about being all in with Jesus. Today, we're going to talk about being all in with each other. All in with each other. You see, the Grace Place is not just a church, it's a family. It's a family. At the Grace Place, we're not just about believing, we are about belonging. See, outside of a personal relationship with Jesus, absolutely nothing compares with a loving, healthy family. I love family. Amen. You know, you can find some things in a healthy family that you cannot find anywhere else. Things like unconditional love and, and acceptance, uh, forgiveness and long-suffering, encouragement and, and understanding. It's just a short list of what is available in a loving and a healthy family. Well, let me tell you this morning that we strive, say strive. We don't bat a thousand. We don't always do it just right, but we strive for this in the Grace Place family as well. So my challenge for us today is to be all in with each other to aspire to adopt as many attributes that can be found in a natural family, to adopt that into our church family. And I want to also say this this morning, that if these attributes cannot be found in your natural family, hopefully the Grace Place family can provide for you the family atmosphere and attributes that you have so desperately missed and desired in your natural family. As a church family, there are four things that we concentrate on here at the Grace Place. Now, now I'm not saying that this is all that we're all about. Uh, we're about a, a lot of other things as well, but, but these four things uh, are our main focus. Say main focus. Our fourfold focus is this. We gather, we grow, we give, and we go. And we do it together. Now, the first two are focused inward. The second two are focused outward. The first two focus on what we do for ourselves. The second two focus in what we do for others. So today we're going to look at the first two. And the first thing we're going to look about and that, uh, uh, talk about this morning, and that is we should gather together. Say gather together. You know, when I was uh, growing up, our family gathered around the dining room table. You know, we all went our separate ways during the day. Dad went off to work. Mom uh, worked at the house. The older kids went to junior high and high school. Us younger kids went to grade school. We all went our separate ways throughout the day. But that evening, about 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the evening, we would all gather back together and we would gather around the dinner table. Now, I grew up in Oklahoma, so we called it supper, okay? It was supper in Oklahoma. So, so, so even though we were all doing our own thing and going our own ways throughout the, throughout the day, but in the evening at supper time, we would gather around the supper table, and we would gather back together, we would eat together, and we would share the highlights of our day. 
As a church family, we are all in different places and doing different things throughout the week. When, these, uh, when this service is over, we're, all, we're going to disperse, and, and this one's going to go this way, and this one's going to go that way, and someone's going to go that way. And Monday morning, you know, we're going to all go on to our post of duty. We're all going to be all over the city, and all of us going all different directions and all different places throughout, through, through, throughout our week. But on Sunday, on Sunday, we should gather together around the table of the Lord. And that's what we're doing this morning. We are gathering together as a family. We've been going here and there and everywhere. But this morning we have gathered together and we are gathering together around the table of our Lord. The writer of Hebrews wrote in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. He said, do not neglect the assembling. Say assembling. Do not neglect the assembling of yourselves together. Say together. Yeah, do not neglect the assembling of yourselves together as some are doing, but come together in order to be encouraged. Hear me this morning, friends. The world is cruel. The world will beat you up. The world will drain every single ounce of faith from you if you allow it. That's why we need to gather together as a family in order to encourage one another and build each other up and build on each other's faith. Well, I want to give you three reasons why we need to gather together as a church family. First of all, we need to come together for public worship. Public worship. Now, our worship should not be limited to church services, but it should include church services. And listen, if truth be known, most people who don't go to public worship service, most of them are not worshiping privately either. The early church set the example for public worship. The book of Acts tells us, chapter 2 and verse 42, speaking of the early church, it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in breaking bread and in prayer. Verse 46 and 47 says, so continuing daily with, say with. So continuing daily with one another in the temple, say in the temple, in the temple and from house to house, praising God with all the people. Sunday morning worship should not be a one and done, but it definitely should be a part of our worship. Acts chapter 20 and verse number seven says, on the first day of the week, week, it says, we gathered, we what? Yeah, the writer of Acts said on the first day of the week, we gathered, we gathered with the believers to share the Lord's Supper. You know, there's just nothing better than coming together as a church family for family worship. You know, back uh, in whenever it was, back in a year ago, March and April, whenever it was, and we were, weren't having uh, public services for what, about eight weeks, I think it was, and we, uh, we just, you know, we had service online, and thank God for service online. Man, that is a life saver. But I cannot tell you, I cannot tell you during those eight weeks how much I missed you, how much I missed coming together, how much I missed corporate worship, even though I would try and worship online, there's still, I couldn't wait for the day. And when the day finally came, when we were able to open the doors again and invite people back, oh, how wonderful it was to get into the atmosphere with brothers and sisters of like uh, precious faith, amen, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. What an awesome, awesome time it was to gather together and worship in corporate worship. How many would say amen this morning? 
Yeah, there's just nothing better than coming together as a church family for family worship. The atmosphere that is found when spirit-filled believers gather to focus on the worship of our Lord. Second reason for believers to gather is to hear the word. Yeah, we should gather together to hear the word, the man of the house. The God-called pastor, the overseer of the local church, it is his responsibility all through the week to hide himself and shut himself up with God and get clear direction from heaven for a fresh word for the people. And then when he comes on Sunday morning to be uh, anointed of the Spirit of God and to be able to stand up and declare, declare to the people, thus saith the word of the Lord. He's their shepherd, and the number one responsibility of a shepherd is to feed the sheep. (laughs) Two pastors were talking one day, and one pastor said to the other pastor, said, said, man, said, some of my sheep have strayed, and I hear that they're now with you. The other pastor said, I can't help it. If you starved your sheep and they got so skinny that they slipped through your fence, he said, I can't help it if I fed them so well that they're now too fat to get back out and get back in where you are. It's the the job of the man of God, amen, to shut himself up and hear the word of the Lord and hear the direction of the Lord and stand and be a blessing, amen, to the people with the word of the living God. Paul instructed Pastor Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter uh, 4, verse 2 through 4. He says to him, preach the word. Preach the word. Be prepared, he says. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people through preaching and teaching. Notice three things that preaching and teaching should include, according to the Apostle Paul. First of all, it ought to include correction. We don't like that. And when the pastor starts correcting, that's when they begin to exit. (laughs) But preaching and teaching should include correction. Correcting false doctrine, correcting division. But not only should it include correction, it also ought to include rebuke. Well, we sure don't like that. But it should include rebuke, calling out bad attitudes and inappropriate behavior and blatant sin. And number three, it ought to include encouragement. Encouragement, using the word to help build up the faith and the endurance of God's people. Hear me this morning, public preaching should not take the place of private devotions, but it ought to be a part of our discipleship plan. The truth is that people who don't come to church and don't hear preaching and teaching, most of these people are not feeding themselves privately either. No wonder we have so many anemic Christians today. But not only should we gather together for public worship, not only should we gather together to hear the word, but we also should gather together to work in our giftings. See, the pastor or the overseer of the local church is not the only one that has something to contribute to the family. Every member of the family has something to contribute. God has gifted every single one of us uh, with gifts that he wants us to use for his work. So you have gifts 
And you need to be working in line with your gifts. I'll never forget many years ago when I was pastoring in another city. I got a phone call from a gentleman. I'm using the word gentleman loosely. I got a, a call from, a, from, from an individual, and uh, he just abruptly said to me, he said, I want to know what you and your church has uh, to offer my family. I'm thinking about coming to your church, and I want to know what you have to offer my, church, my family. And so I went on about 15 minutes of all the things that our church had to offer his entire family. And then when I finished, I said, sir, you have asked me, what I have and my church has to offer your family. Now, sir, I would like to ask you, what do you and your family have to offer me and my church? And it got really, really quiet. He wasn't expecting that question, but how many know it's a two-way street? You are here this morning to receive. You are here this morning to be blessed. But I'm also telling you that you are here this morning to contribute. You are also here this morning because you have gifts, you have talents, you have abilities. Amen. God has gifted you, and God has a place for you. And yes, it's a place for you to come to receive, but it is also a place for you to come and to get connected and to use your gifts for the glory of God. Hallelujah. Do you still love me this morning? Well, third of you do. Amen. That's about what I expected. Amen. Hey, let's look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. We read this a couple of weeks ago, but I'm going to read it again. Uh, Paul writes, and he says, having then gifts differing, say differing, according to the grace God is given that are according to the grace that is given to us. Say to us. Given to us. So let us use them. Say, use them. <laughs> so let us use them. Hey, if prophecy, then let's prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let's use it in uh, our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with Cheerfulness. And then look over in uh, the book of First Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter uh, 4, uh, verses 10 through uh, 10 and 11. It says, as each one has received a gift. Say, everybody's received a gift. Yeah, each one. As each one has received a gift. Minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracle of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with uh, the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong in glory, uh, the glo- to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So let me say it again. God has gifted each one of us individually, and He has a particular place picked out for us. Our particular gifts will be most effective in the place where our particular gifts are needed. There was a time when I pastored a tiny church that I and my wife did everything. I mean, we did everything. I have been criticized because I wasn't here or there or somewhere else. There was a time I was everywhere and I did it, including clean the church. Well, listen, you get 
You get pulled in all these different directions. You're not going to be very effective very many places. So what, what needs to happen? What needs to happen as the church grows, you need to identify people that have gifts and plug this one in this one and this one and this one and this one and that one and everyone acting in their giftings and then the man of God will have time for the preaching of the word of God, the teaching of the word of God, the study of the word of God, for prayer, for, for major issues in the church so he can be more effective as well. There's a place that God has. He's gifted us all to plug into. Are you plugged in to that place this morning? Amen. Yeah, he, uh, he has given us particular gifts and he plugs us in to particular places where those gifts can thrive. Now, I've said this many times, but I've been called a bulldog. Now, I don't know if the person that first called me a bulldog was trying to, you know, trying to stab me or make fun of me or jab me or whatever, but I take no offense to that. I'm rather, I'm rather happy to be a bulldog, all right? God, uh, I, I've been called a bulldog. I don't take offense to that because, you see, the particular places, the last 48 years of full-time ministry where God has placed me required a bulldog. Amen. A laid-back basset hound could not get the job done where God has placed me. So it's okay. I'll be a bulldog for Jesus. And the good news is your next pastor doesn't have to be a bulldog. Amen. You've already had that one. Amen. So, hey, maybe you'll get a sweet one next time. That'd be wonderful. Why should we gather as a church family in order for each member to have a place to work in their giftings? Now, this is not the only place where our gifting should be used, but it is one of the places. And, and the church, it's a good place to discover your gifts. It's a good place to have your gifts developed. And hear me this morning, when we do not gather together, we cheat ourselves and we limit ourselves in two ways. First of all, we don't use the gifts that God has given to us to use. And so we cheat ourselves. Number two, we cheat ourselves because we do not receive the benefits that are available to us through the gifts of others. Amen. You know, you come to church, you don't just get the pastor's gift, man. Tell you what, you get all, you get the gift of helps as those people are out there helping you and welcoming you. And you get the gift from these uh, incredible people on stage. And, and, and then there's people that, that are going to be there to, to just uh, hold your hand or for you to sh- uh, cry on their shoulder. We all have gifts. And when we come together, we can get blessed, not just by some superstar that, you know, now it's time for the man of God. No, we all have gifts that God wants to use. And he will use us and use those gifts if we will allow him. Somebody say amen this morning. Amen. Well, not only should we gather together, and by the way, people who are all in gather together, but not only should we gather together, but we should grow together. We should grow together. Listen to what the apostle Paul says about our growth or our maturing uh, in our faith. Let's, let's read uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, verse 14 through 16. Paul writes here and he says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up. Say grow up. up. You know you wanted to do this. Turn to your neighbor and say grow up. (laughs) Amen. Speaking the truth in love may grow up 
in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Did you hear that? (laughs) Wish that were true. Uh, Excuse me. Uh, which by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Let me briefly this morning, and I'm going to have to hurry here, but let me briefly mention five areas where we as Christians and members of the Grace Place family in particular, we need to grow in. First of all, we need to grow in grace. What's the name of our church? The Law Place. Sometimes I wonder. It's called the grace place. All right? We need to grow in grace. Second Peter 3 and 18 says, Grow in the grace of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Say, grow in grace. Grow in grace. You know, we're so quick to ask. Why are we so quick to ask for and expect grace, but often so slow and even unwilling to give it? We need to grow both in our understanding of grace and in our dispensing of it. We understand that grace is unmerited and undeserved love and favor. That's what God offers to us. But it is also what God expects us to offer to others. Let me just say this this morning. Don't ask for yourself what you are unwilling to give. But not only should we grow in grace, we also should grow in our giftings. We've already talked about that. Earlier in the, in the message, we read a list of giftings recorded in Romans 12 and in 1 Peter chapter 4. But in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14, there's yet another list of gifts that, that God has given to us and he's given to the church. Also included that there is instructions in how to use them. Not only is there a list of the gifts, but there is instructions on how to use those gifts. In chapter 14, verse 3, it gives the purpose for these gifts. What are the purpose for the gifts of the Spirit? Well, according to Paul, they're edification, exhortation, and comfort. So when you operate or anyone else operates in the gifts of the Spirit, those ought to be in operation uh, according to edification, exhortation, and comfort. And the good news is every Spirit-filled believer has at least one of these gifts. Every spirit-filled believer has at least one of these gifts. Most have not discovered their gift. Most do not operate in their gift. But the gift has been given nonetheless. We need to discover our spiritual gift, and then we need to develop our gift. But not only should we grow in grace, not only should we grow in our giftings, but we should also grow in genuineness. Genuineness. Romans chapter 12 verse 9 says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Say without hypocrisy. Yeah, let love be without hypocrisy. First Peter 1 and 22 says, We are to possess a sincere love for each other. And we are to love with a pure heart. Here's a good question we ought to ask ourselves, and that is, how genuine am I? How genuine am I? Am I real? Am I real? Am I the real deal? How genuine am I? How pure is my love? What is my motivation? Am I as good to people who cannot do anything to help me as I am to those that can? I'd like to camp out there for a while, but I don't have time. Another area where we should be growing in is grow in goodness. Goodness. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, the fruit of the Spirit is listed. 
Now, too often in our circles, we sensationalize the gifts of the Spirit and we overlook or downplay the fruit. I can't speak for you, but if I had to choose between the fruit and the gifts, I would choose the fruit 100%. In fact, if you have the gift and you don't have the fruit, don't use your gifts because you're going to do more damage than you're going to do good. We need the fruit of the Spirit. See, if the Holy Spirit truly abides in us, then there should be some fruit to prove it. Proof of fruit is the proof of something's origin. The proof of a tree or the proof that a tree is an apple tree is what? Apples. The proof that a tree is an orange tree is oranges. Fruit is the proof of something's origin. Goodness is a fruit or an offspring or a byproduct of the Holy Spirit. Although goodness cannot save us, goodness is a proof that we are saved. And we preach so, so much about, you know, that we can't do anything to earn God's love and we can't do anything to earn salvation. We preach so much about that. And I believe in that. I 100% believe in that. But we also need to go on to the other part and say, but if we are saved, there's going to be some goodness. There's going to be some fruit that's going to come out of us. Amen. Paul said, if we are in Christ, all things pass away and behold, all things become new. I'm not the same person I was before Christ and neither should you be amen if if the Holy Spirit is abiding in us then there should be some fruit to prove it goodness is a fruit or an offspring or a byproduct of the Holy Spirit and I understand goodness can't save us but goodness is a proof that we are saved let me say it this way we don't we don't do good in order to be saved we do good because we are saved Let's look at the fifth and the final thing that we should be growing in, and that is we should be growing in gentleness. Gentleness is also a fruit of the Spirit that's listed in Galatians chapter 5. Now, don't mistake gentleness with spineless. Gentleness is power under control. A horse that is gentle is still very powerful. It's the same horse that it was when it was, when it was wild and when it was untamed and unbridled. That, that gentle horse doesn't mean that horse is not. It's still very powerful, very powerful, but it has been gentled. It has been tamed. It, it, has, been, it has been bridled. And, and its gentleness makes its power useful. See, how we go about doing something is just as important, if not more important, than the good thing that we're trying to do. Anyone in here need to grow some in gentleness? I do. No amens, please. The takeaway for the message this morning is simply this. People who are all in will gather together in order to grow together. Why have we gathered together? Well, one of the reasons we've gathered together is so that we might grow together. And I want to tell you that if you've been gathering here for many years and you're not growing, it's on you. It's not on us. Because I promise you that, that we have made it available and made it possible for you to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord 
and Savior Jesus Christ. And if you are gathering here and you're not growing, it's because either you're, you know, you've tuned it out or you let it go in one ear and out the other, or you say, man, that was some good stuff, and you walk out of here and make absolutely no application to it. You see, it's not just what we receive, but it's what we do with what we receive. That is what makes us grow or doesn't make us grow. I can go to the gym, and I can go to the gym with everyone else that's all buff, you know, and worked out and sweating and all that, and I can go to the gym, and I can stay in the gym for two hours along with them, and I can walk out, and they've changed, and I haven't. What's the difference? Well, you know what? They did some weights, and they did some exercises, and, 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 and they worked out while they were there. All I did was just come in there and just, you know, just I was just there. Just because you're here this morning doesn't mean that you're growing. What matters if you are growing this morning is because you are here with your ears open, your spiritual antennas up, and you are here to say, Lord, I want to grow. Lord, teach me. Lord, train me. Lord, use me. God, work on me, God. Amen. And then and then you're taking notes. And then when you leave this place, amen, you're saying, you know what? I'm going to take this out and I'm going to make application to this. And I'm going to start doing some of those things that the Lord has in, uh, encouraged me to do. And I've heard and been challenged to do. And I promise you that if you'll gather together with the right heart, the right spirit, the right attitude, and you'll make application of what you receive, you will also grow. Amen. Father, thank you for this word this morning. God, your life-changing, life-altering, miracle-working word. God, I pray that it will, it will, it will do its, in, its intended work today in Jesus' name.